Hello and welcome to episode 187 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Off-Topic Podcast. I'm your host for today, Peter Treisenberg, and joining me today is an illustrious crew, uh, starting with Marcos Gaspar. Hello there. Kyle Seeley. Hey, hey. And Tyler Trosper. Hello there. And And by our powers combined, we form a regular RPG fan dream team, here to talk about a sequel to one of the greatest video games of all time, uh, the much underappreciated, much maligned, actually a great game, Chrono Cross. Uh, so yeah, uh, wel- welcome to welcome to the Chrono Cross episode, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, uh, just to start things off, uh, I wanted to ask everybody um, just our brief our brief thoughts on this game. Um, do we think it's underrated? Were we disappointed when it first came out? I don't know if any of us played it when it first came out. I know I didn't, but uh, what do we think? I'm going to start... Uh, I guess we'll just start from the top. Uh, Marcos, you want to start us off? Yeah, um, I was actually fortunate uh, to play this uh, not not right when it came out, but like a year afterwards. But I mean, personally, I really like this game, even if it didn't have uh, like any connection to Crow Trigger, like as it as its own game, absolutely gorgeous graphically, musically, everything. I love it. Buy it. Buy it. Six bucks. I Buy it. Send. You have no excuse. It's free real estate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I guess that, that that's that's. Thank you, Marcos. Uh, Kyle. Um. What 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 about you? Uh, well, I don't remember the exact year, but I know that this was a birthday present in my early teens, uh, and. I guess one thing that really stands out about this game in particular was like, you know, back then each huge game was, oh, okay, this is going to be my game that I play this year. And I don't know. I just, uh, this is right. one that you just remember. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's, there's the Chrono, Chrono Cross is a really unique game. Like there's just a whole lot of stuff, a whole lot of stuff. It does differently from other RPGs and just a mm-hmm. whole lot of, it's just unique about it in general. Uh, Tyler, what do you think about about Cross in brief? Um, well, I uh, I actually played Cross before Trigger, so okay, I wasn't then. yeah, I wasn't really shackled down by the the aspect of like living up to the predecessor. So I I mean, even now I still really enjoy it. Like the the music and the graphic style is still I, I really enjoy it and I even enjoyed it back then as well yeah okay that's 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 interesting see um that was you that you start with the sequel this actually reminds of a friend of mine Chrono Cross is like his favorite game of all time and mm-hmm. um he was the same way he played Cross in a in a vacuum basically he didn't know it had a, mm-hmm. it was a sequel um mm-hmm. he played it on his older brother's PlayStation and uh it wasn't until we started hanging out I was like Oh hey, you're like Chrono Cross. Cool. What did you think about it? And uh, that we start that he found out Chrono Trigger was even a game. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, you have some homework to do, my boy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, as for me, though, um, similar boat as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Chrono Chrono Trigger Chrono Trigger is one of those RPGs that's like it's iconic. Um, but yeah, as far for for my money, Chrono Trigger is one of those games that's just like it's so iconic. And such a it's a it's such a linchpin of our of of the JRPG genre. It's like any follow up was going to be under really high scrutiny. 
just by virtue of having that name attached to it. And right away with Chrono Cross, there's a few names that are missing. Sakaguchi is credited as a producer, but as far as I know, he didn't really have a whole lot to do with this one. Um, there's no Yuji Hori, uh, no Akira Toriyama. Um, Masato Kado, who was the writer, um, the lead writer on Chrono Trigger, and also worked on games like Xenogears. Um, he's kind of the, the the architect, if you will, of this game. Um, it's got his kind of mark all over it. Um, but for my money, playing it now, it's kind of almost the the Yang to Chrono Trigger's Yin, if that makes sense. Like, um, it's 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 it, it it flips the original script on its head and explores some really interesting themes. It's got a whole lot. It takes some of the ideas that Trigger in, came up with and explores them further. Um, it's an absolutely gorgeous game. I think we may have hinted at this game looks beautiful for the time. Um, still looks pretty now, honestly, playing it on my Vita. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd, I'd think Cross is one of those games that may, when it first came out, it may have been kind of regarded for how different it was from Trigger, but I think now it's more important to think about uh, what it did right more than it did what it did differently. But uh, moving on, did anyway, so but moving on though, we can talk about uh, Radical Dreamers real quick. Uh, Kyle, do you know? Uh, you, I think you know more about Radical Dreamers than I do. Uh, so basically, from what I understand about the game, it was uh, released on the Super Nintendo's Saddle of You service, which was, uh, as many know, uh, downloadable content from the 90s. But uh, I guess that format, uh, from what I was reading, made it difficult to fully realize what Kato wanted to do. So that kind of led to it being rebooted as Cross. Uh, anyone correct me if I'm wrong there. That's just uh, what I ran into when I was doing some research. No, as far as I know, you got it on the money. Um, is yeah. it... Sorry, go ahead, Tyler. Oh. No, I was just going to say that sounds right. I, I actually don't know too much about it myself. I'm sorry. Isn't it a text adventure? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and that leads to a lot more character development, ironically, than... I mean, with Cross having, like, over 40 characters and Radical Dreamers having, like, three, I mean, I guess it makes sense that it's going to be more, but the text itself, I, I just love the characters in that so much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Sir, The protagonist of this game is Surge, who is another silent protagonist, um, like Chrono. But from what I understand, he's a... Uh, uh, he has a lot more of a personality in the in, in Radical Dreamers, which is it's interesting how they made that transition. Well, and I felt very much like uh, '90s anime in terms of uh, there is always the uh, kind of average Joe protagonist that had a crush on the girl, and you know, that, very relatable. And I feel like Cross, having come out several years later, uh, definitely kind of took that and. I guess shifted it towards more modern or contemporary conventions. Right, makes sense. But uh, a lot of elements from that, including Viper Manor, uh, Kid, the character of Kid, um, a, a cut, a cut character from Radical Dreamers was uh, turned out to be Magus, which was interesting. Yeah, wasn't he like repurposed into Guile and Cross, or that might be a kind um, of? Um, he was. A uh, Guile was intended to be Magus, but they ran mm -hmm. out of. As far as I know, they ran out of time. Like they ah. didn't. 
they they were gonna do that, um, but it ended up not panning out. So now Guile is just a mage who looks like Magus a bit. Um, um as an aside, has anyone played through the uh, DS port of Chrono Trigger? I have. That was actually my first exposure to the game. Didn't they try to link? the character to Guile in uh, the ending to that. I haven't played, but I read about it. So they don't they didn't really link link it to Guile necessarily, but what they did do is they show a scene with um this is getting into major endgame spoilers for for Chrono Cross, by the way. Uh but uh, uh they show a scene basically with the final boss of Cross and Magus. Um uh, and you fight a new super boss at the end of Trigger. And then the new ending ties into the beginning of of Cross with uh uh with the poor military uh uh taking over the continent basically. So it does kind of set things up, and I, I and I would want to talk about that on part two for sure because um th- there's some really interesting plot implications going on there. But uh, moving away from uh, text adventures and connections to the to its its predecessor, um, Chrono Cross opens with a bang. Uh, it opens at Midius Res with a little dungeon area. What do we think about uh, the, the beginning, guys? I was such a fool as a child that like because every time you like would start a new game, a, a, a different party member would be just randomly selected into your party. So when I was a kid, I remember just restarting the game multiple times just to see who I would get. <laughs> I did that, I did that this time. Same. <laughs> okay. I got, I got I got Postual and then a Korcha. Really? That's pretty cool. Yeah. I got what, uh, what about you guys? I got Orla uh, the first time I did it in uh, Fargo the second time. Nice. Uh, oh my gosh, I can't I can't remember who I got this time. Cross has a lot of party members. <laughs> yeah. it, so many. See, I think that Vaughn was who I got the first time, but this time uh, I believe I got Lena. Oh, interesting. Okay. But uh, it starts. the game starts at Medias Res with the raid on Fort Dragonia, and that whole scene is just a whole lot of foreshadowing. You really have no clue what's going on. It's just like, you. why, why is one of my companions Scottish? Uh... Why? Why am I stabbing her? Um. Why? Why is any of this? And then it cuts back to uh, it cuts back to uh, the very familiar sound of a bell ringing and Serge being awoken by his mother, which is a really sweet callback to Chrono Trigger. I appreciated that. Um, and then we get to Arnie Village, uh, the first town in the game. Which, oh boy, this game's pretty, y'all. So pretty. Is might the colors are just so vivid. Well, as far as the PlayStation One goes, I would rate it up there among even the top three in terms of how gorgeous. Uh, and that's just something I feel that with the pre-rendered backgrounds, uh, that that just kind of kept developing as an art through that console generation. Yeah, I kind of miss pre-rendered backgrounds. If I'm being perfectly honest, like I get why we moved pound past them, but man, did they do some cool stuff with them. And this, the whole game has this great, like, tropical vibe going on. Like, it's super mellow. Um, and the, the, every screen is just so full of color and all this vivid imagery. It is, it is, it's square at the top of their game. Absolutely. Um, and actually, I want to jump, a, I jump ahead for a second, too. Um, Yasunori Mitsuda returns to do 
uh, the soundtrack in this game. And this might be my favorite Mitsuda score ever. Agreed. Absolutely. Agreed. I mean, yeah, I keep it on my iPod, so... <laughs> oh, yeah, this, this is one... If there's one video game soundtrack you want to have, like, on your MP3 player at all times ready to go, uh, yeah, put on the, the Cross soundtrack. It is so good. Um, what, what's our, what do we, does anyone have a favorite song? Go. Probably, well, probably the, the home world, uh, map music. I just, I really like, it, it just really gets to the whole, like, uh, tropical theme of, uh, the, the, like the game. You're going to go with Homeworld. Okay, interesting. Because yeah. another world's probably my favorite. I, oh, I really? love how peaceful that one is. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> it's so pretty. No, they're really good tracks. Uh, for me, uh, I like the Star Ceiling Girl. That's a, that's a good, good one. one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, Kyle? I, I don't know. It's tough. Uh, I would say that the Time of the Dream Watch from the... Uh, the opening attraction, not the FMV version, but where they show actual gameplay. I really enjoyed that one and how it merged the themes from Radical Dream Chrono Trigger. Yeah, that is cool. Uh, they, they, they kept some of the motifs. Um, I do like hearing that familiar Chrono Chrono Trigger uh, overworld music in the uh, the Homeworld song. That is really neat. Mm-hmm. But with that twangy guitar. <laughs> Wait, wait. Uh, are you talking about? You said the Homeworld, uh, Overworld music. Yeah, the home. I don't know what instrument it is. Oh, uh, I, I believe uh, it sounds like a sitar to me. Yeah. Okay. That would which, that would that would make sense. Which it sounds very. Yeah, like that even makes it even more like. Uh, I don't want to say exotic. That's I don't like using that word. I, uh, it gets it like an otherworldly feel to it, which is really great. Um, isn't that like uh, the Homeworld theme, like an arrangement of uh, another Chrono Trigger track? What was it? Uh, yeah, yeah, and it's on a memories memories of green for sure from the trigger from the trigger soundtrack. Yeah, oh, so good. Um, what do you think is meant? I apologize. What's that? Oh, uh, it's it, that's another interesting point though uh, that the uh, home world and another world did switch between arrangements of cross and triggers themes or dreamers and triggers themes. Yeah, which is interesting because it helps kind of ground. Um, the Chrono Cross is about parallel worlds, um, not so much time travel like the first game. And I think it really helps to ground you in which dimension is like the original, quote unquote, and which one is the the other world, and also how the the two are connected um, across time and space. Basically, uh, this game gets into a lot of pretty heavy subject matter, so it's interesting that they explore that with the music so well. Yeah. Just uh, aesthetics wise, Chrono Cross is like ten out of ten. This game looks beautiful. Yeah, they do a really solid job. Um, and I'll just uh, inject this uh, just a tiny bit. Like, uh, if you're just paying attention to the music compared to uh, which world you're in, in which town you're in, you'll notice that like something's a little bit more lively, like Termina in in another world when uh, <clears throat> it's just uh, celebrating its uh, um, whatever anniversary or whatever. Event mm-hmm. it's a lot more lively than in the other in Homeworld where it's uh, been taken over by the poor army, but um, it's really Goldove that really shows a uh, just a uh, I guess the care uh, of oh, yeah. its music because it's a lot more mellow in uh, in another world, but in Homeworld 
where the uh because tournament has been taken over i'm assuming uh some of the patrons or just people are in goldov and it's a lot more lively so it's like the uh liveliness travels from uh area to area and i was like that's really smart really good it is neat and because of the the the, the system in place you get to kind of explore the dichotomy of each area because you get to see different points um and how your choices affect them we'll touch on that a little later um for now though what i want to i want to try and talk about is um what do we think about the battle system um i know this is one of the more controversial parts of the game and i want to get everyone else's opinions before i i say mine so uh who wants to go first i can go first okay yeah hit me uh for the battle system uh I personally like it because <laughs> there's a lot of reward to it, uh, and I'm speaking about specifically the, uh, the the different levels of strengths that you hit with and the accuracy. Uh, for like a low hit, there's uh, three levels, low, medium, uh, or hard, I'll just call it that. Uh, as you would guess, uh, the harder you hit, the more likely it is to miss. But when you hit with a, a hard and it criticals, it's the most satisfying sound. Like. I've ever heard, especially when it's uh, Surge's size. It's just like, wham! Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I was like, that is really dramatic for that weapon, but I like it. Uh, it and, is very satisfying. And I've, I've ended a lot of boss fights just doing like three or four criticals with uh, just Surge. Uh, just throw an eagle eye out there. Uh, Dude, and, I, I ended a fight with um, with Dash and Slash one time, and it was the most oh. satisfying freaking like final blow ever everything is so dramatic and choreographed in uh, the fight say so it's just like man this is this is great uh, uh the music I, I know a lot of people don't like the music about the battle uh in regards to the battle plane i'm actually fine with it uh it does sound a little goofy for it but i mean i, I i'll give i mean it's because it's the chrono trigger series i'm like you know what the, the first game looked really goofy because uh it had that qc uh akira uh animation to it uh, in this one, I, I like it that it keeps at least some goofiness. I'm pretty sure uh, he did not intend for uh, the battle theme to sound so, <laughs> so the way it does, at least. Yeah, Gale, Gale is a an earworm, if nothing else. Uh, I wouldn't call it an earworm, but yeah, if, if if you hear it for the first time, you're like, what is this music? It's not battle theme. <laughs> uh, what, what about you guys, Tyler or Kyle? Um, well, I, I like it, but I, I guess... Now that I'm older, I'm I'm starting to understand it a little bit better. You know, well, I I think I still have some difficulties understanding cer certain aspects of it, as I've talked to you guys about before. But um, it's yeah, it's I mean, it's really kind of straightforward with its attacking system because it's basically showing the percentage of how likely you're going to attack. So I it's I like how straightforward that is. It's just really interesting when it gets into the elements and building. Uh, the different, uh, or well, affecting the field, in, in in order to improve your attacks or doing the like the opposite to your uh, enemies. Yeah, right. It's a lot more. Um, it's a lot more complicated than um trigger, which used kind of the classic ATB system. Exactly. Um, once you start getting into like, I heard someone describe it as Final Fantasy VIII, but it works. <laughs> oh, man. oh man! I never thought about that, but yeah, it's a little mean to Final Fantasy VIII. But I mean, to be fair, you are doing a lot of stuff with uh, uh, not just like um, equipping different skills, but you're like 
basically what you're doing in Chrono Cross is you're trying to you have different elemental skills that have escorted strengths and weaknesses. Um, and then um, these skills are sectioned off into tiers that you build you build up to more powerful spells or elements, abilities, whatever, um, by landing basic attacks. And you can land as many basic attacks according to your character's stamina gauge. Once stamina runs out, your turn is over. So battle becomes kind of a give and take of managing stamina, building up your element grid, and hit, and hitting enemies with the right abilities, which you also have to keep in mind what kinds of elements you're using at the right time because they affect the properties of the battlefield, which makes certain elements stronger or weaker. It is a lot at first um, to keep track of, and they continuously keep introducing new elements, like uh, we, we even by the mid what we decided was our midway point of the game. They're still explaining to me what trap elements are, and it's like I don't I, I the, the, the what the what what is that? <laughs> well, that's uh good though um, when they do that because um they um I think with che- treasure chest inside them the either no inside the Okado I think is a trap in Inferno, and you can use yeah. that trap Inferno in one of the boss battles uh inside the um, Fort Dragonia. Uh, it, and that that's crazy because Inferno is a pretty high level uh, <clears throat> fire element, and to have that early on is uh, very valuable. And the ability to run away from boss fights is really awesome. In order to like, like oh, they use that element. I should go back in case I didn't equip it, and then equip that trap, and then go back into the fight. I really like that. Yeah, and this is uh, this is why I'm I'm kind of a little more forgiving on Chrono Cross. Because for even though the battle system seems a lot more complicated, and it is, there are also a lot of accessibility options. And that's something that Trigger also implemented. Like, you have things like you can dodge enemies on the field. You can run away from any battle, boss fights included. You can, like, um, switching out your elements, switching out your party members is as easy as clicking a button. Like, it is very intuitive, despite its complexity and i think that's good i think that's really clever and if combat feels good like marcos said uh landing a critical hit or dealing like a super powerful element attack feels really good and you don't get that a lot in turn-based combat where the combat is like not just like visually pleasing but also tactile in a sense if that makes if that that makes sense no that makes sense because like it's not so much (laughs) turn-based because you can like hit someone uh a couple of times and uh, just switch out to another character. Yeah, right. Or they can if they if they if they attack in the middle of your chain, um, and if they attack another party member, you can uh, continue your attack. But if they attack you, it's interrupted and you have to start over. So there's a bit of luck going on. There. Yeah, that's in regards to uh, the accuracies uh, Pierce talking about. That if a character, an enemy attacks you while you're attacking, you lose the uh, the accuracy boost you get while make, landing a hit. But if an enemy hits something else, someone else, then you just go right back into whacking that character. So it's interesting, and they they throw you right into it with um, <clears throat> the first the first you got a first little mini dungeon where you get to interact with the environment, which kind of does uh, show you what you're gonna you can expect from this world's dungeons. Um, uh, some environmental puzzles um, and using the right elements to beat bosses. 
Um, very early on, Serge ends up waking up in the the other world. He goes to a beach, um, to the beach with his friend and disappears. He's sucked into the wormhole or whatever. Um, once we get to another world, we get one of the more interesting plot hooks of this game, which is that in the other world, Serge is dead. Um, including a scene where you go to your own gravestone. Uh, that's kind of morbid. And the impact of that is doubled if you have visited it in Homeworld, where you basically wrote Serge and Lena forever, or something to that effect, and it's your grave in the other world. That's that's really creepy too. Especially, well, it's also funny too because if you don't, rec- if you didn't, if you're like me and you didn't recruit Lena because kid all the way, it's like okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> Uh, before we get too far away from the battle system, though, I do have a question. Oh, yeah. Uh, did anyone else set their uh, uh, percentages to automatically advance or chose manual? Because I know, like, by default, it's automatic. I find it's so much easier to do manual. I didn't even know there was that was an option. I, I've been doing it the, the basic way. That's yeah. an option? Oh, yeah. I'm just curious because, like, say you want, like, several high-efficiency attacks, like... <laughs> Uh, uh, what were we saying? They were the weak. Uh, if you want to do like six weak attacks, you're going to be able to build up your meter so much faster. I really appreciate that uh, simplicity there to just be able to hit the button quickly. Yeah, that, I, I had to set the manual just for that reason because there are time there are characters like uh, say uh, Nikki. Uh, he has a higher magic, so I'm not going to use uh, him too much for attack, and I'll just do like like four weak attacks in a row uh, just so I can build a gauge. Uh, hit with a a strong hit with someone else uh, with a low hit, so it goes back to seven for his stamina. Uh, right. Use magic, attack with someone else weak, drop him up to or put him up to one, then use another magic uh, to you know clear out fight fast. Um, another question is the leveling system. Uh, <laughs> do we feel as, like does anyone else feel that the battling itself is the reward in this game? Because in my opinion, I feel like. If you really get into the battles, they're enjoyable, but it prevents you from like just needlessly grinding forever. It does cap your progress after a certain extent, yeah, because basically how it works is every major boss battle or story encounter gives you a star, and you earn once you earn the star, you'll earn some minute stat boost as well as one large stat boost um, after, after a certain number of battles, and then after a while you'll stop gaining stats and you have to wait till the next boss encounter now there are some optional stars you can hunt down and if you do side quests and are thorough exploring but for the most part you're kept on the critical path that is interesting and i'm not sure if i'm fond of it but it also means the difficulty of the game is pretty finely tuned as well yeah i mean i i i don't mind it i mean definitely helps not to get like too burnt out on the battle system or yeah have to grind too much um and i i have noticed because i remember as a kid uh, uh a lot of uh like having a lot of difficulty but now it's just everything seems like i'm at the right like i'm at the right strengths for most battles so it, it definitely i think it it preps you well yeah no absolutely um, but your first desti- major destination, once some kid joins your party, or or not, if you can actually turn her down and go a completely different route, which is interesting. This game does that a few times. Um, but uh, uh, is Termina, this the central city, 
And uh, from there, your goal is to infiltrate the manor of General Viper, who's like the, the lord of the Alameda Peninsula or whatever. Um, and this is something Cross does that's really interesting, is that you have a lot of freedom in how you approach this dungeon. Um, there's, as to my knowledge, there are three different paths um, um, you can take, and they all lead to different party members. Uh, who all did we go with on this run? I'm going to say that uh, the main reason I chose Guile this time was because of the Radical Dreamers reference. Because uh, usually I kind of enjoy Nikki, but I don't know. Yeah, I just I went with having, that, uh, having that black element character is really helpful <laughs> as you don't get one for a while. Yeah, I also went with Guile, um, even though I, I went with him originally uh, back when I was a kid. I just like he I, I just really like uh yeah, his attacks, and I just like him as a character. Yeah, for myself, I went. I actually went with Nikki just because I wanted to see his interactions with uh, certain characters later on in the game, like with Fargo or Marcy inside Fort Drew, um, the Viper Manor. Yeah, right. I, I went with Nikki on this playthrough um, because I wanted to try. I, 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 the first time I went and played the game, I did Guile because of the connection to Radical Dreamers, because he's like kind of a dummied out magus basically like they, they wanted to make him a character from trigger but didn't uh, have time to finish it as far as i understand <coughs> That's what I, heard. I i went i went ahead and na named him magus for this playthrough <laughs> Just not should name him not magus <laughs> but um yeah, but once you basically you, you pick that, and that can lead you in a completely different dungeon. Pierre will basically let you in through the front door, but he's kind of useless. Um, Nikki, you'll go through a secret tunnel. You'll hear about um, in uh, in Termina, and then with a uh, Guile, with Guile, you have to take the bluffs, which is interesting. But I like how it gives you the freedom to choose, um, and it also encourages because Chrono Cross also brings back New Game Plus. It, it encourages you to experiment on replays. Definitely Chrono Cross isn't a game where you can just get all the characters in one playthrough. Which... Oof. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, you, you have to make choices, and sometimes they're very difficult. Like, if you... if uh, Once we once you clear Viper Manor, um, Kid gets injured, and you have to choose, like, whether or not you want to help her or not. Um... And it's like, and I'm being me being me. I'm like, oh no, we gotta help kid. Like she's she's like the the other protagonist. We gotta save her. Um, so, which leads to this whole bit where you go to Hydra Swamp and like do this whole thing. Um, but then if you don't do it, um, the only not doing it is the only way to get Glenn, who is one of the best party members, <laughs> and arguably uh, more story heavy than most of the others. Yeah, he's really really relevant to the game's events. He's a neat reference to Chrono Trigger. He gives you one of the few because uh, dual techs aren't are a thing in Cross, but they aren't really as uh, prevalent as they were in Trigger. More like than anything. Yeah, yeah, but, you kinda, yeah, you kind of just stumble upon them. Oh, sorry, go on. Oh no, not that. What's no, no, no problem whatsoever. Um, but yeah, like once. Speaking of, uh, speaking of, you know, we're jumping ahead a little bit. Once we get to uh, the, uh, once we get to Hydra, the 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 that. Choice point. If you do go with uh, saving kid, and you get uh, Korch, uh, Korcha in your party, Mach is it? Cor no, Macha. No, Korcha. Korcha. You're right. You're right. right. Korcha. Korcha. Nah, I'm getting confused. Cha. 
Cha! Cha. <laughs> Cha. Get confused with all these characters. Um, uh, the Hydra Swamp thing is interesting because that whole dungeon just shows how the worlds affect each other. Like, you end up basically um, wiping out an entire ecosystem in Homeworld because Hydras are already extinct in another world. So you have to go to the Homeworld to get the medicine for, uh, for Kid. And in doing so, it sets off this whole quest chain that leads to, like, the dwarves from that that live in that area being like, hey, no, we hate all humans now, and going on and exterminating another race in Homeworld. It's, 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 they really do make the decisions feel like they have consequences, which is interesting for, especially for a game that came out in what, 2000? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a nice extension of the, I guess, more muted themes <laughs> in Trigger that make you question, like, are humans actually worth saving? Yeah, they even they call them like an aberration of evolution. Which, if you've played Chrono Trigger, that was a big thing with um with uh the reptites. Their their theme mm-hmm. that if not for Lavos, things would have been very different. Um, yeah. which I think is interesting. Yeah, and, and uh, you, you also find this in another Square game, uh, Radia Stories, where you have the options of siding with like uh either the humans or like the others like elves and other uh like fairy creatures and essentially which path you choose uh you'll end up wiping out the other species wow okay that's uh, that's pretty dark (laughs) it's pretty pretty heavy even though the game feels like a uh a uh comedy uh sitcom (laughs) i did not expect something that dark from the character art (laughs) like i said it's pretty wild yeah Yeah, i remember that that was pretty dark for that game (laughs) oh geez Great games. Chrono Cross. But, uh, yeah. No, no kidding. It's it's a really thematically heavy game, too. Um, uh, once, and once, once you do save Kid, um, I'm sorry if I'm moving through these plot points too fast, guys. Um, oh, that's fine. Yeah. But I'm, I'm trying to get us to the, the really juicy stuff. All right. Because... I mean, if you don't mind, I will say as an aside... Uh, really quickly, while I was doing a little bit of research into this pre-playing, uh, I actually found out you don't even have to save Kid ever. Like once she leaves the party at this point, if you want to, you can like avoid her the rest of the game. Yeah, I know. No, no kidding. Wow. Yep. Cold-blooded. You can you can basically <laughs> wait forever. Look, basically the only time she'll meet up is so you get the astral amulet, but um. Which is, but like even then, the the fact that the game gives you so much room, it honestly kind of reminds me of like, you know, in a lot of Western RPGs, you can do stuff. Even in, in older games like Morrowind, you could break the quest, the main quest chain. Cross never gets so far as to put you in a fail state, but it is impressive how much freedom they're still able to accommodate you, uh, just in terms of how you progress through it. Um. Once and once, if you do either way, once either once you save, if you save kid, or if you come back later on, um, you'll end up getting a Corcha's boat, um, and you'll be given basically you'll get the and you'll get the chance to go off to um, the next dungeon in the game, the SS Invincible, um, or the ghost ship that shows up next to it because you're trying to get to Fort Dragonia, the the place that was seen at the beginning of the game. Um, the the ghost ship dungeon is interesting. That's another unique little motif I wasn't kind of expecting from from uh, 
my happy tropical JRPG. Uh, those enemies are pretty creepy. Something we saw a lot of in 90s PS1 games, though, I feel. Well, even later Super Nintendo ones uh, had a lot of ghost ships. Yeah, it is kind of a, a fantasy trope, isn't it? Yeah, you see those a lot in, like, Tales games, too. Mm-hmm. If you're on Nikki's path, you get a nice little aside because the pirate ship captain <laughs> is, like, his father. Um, which is, this is one thing about Cross that I, I like it, but at the same time, I also... Um, because it, it, it's another thing that encourages you to replay the game because some of the little character interactions you can miss out on if they're not in your party. Um, I almost feel like it would have been better to have like 12 really developed characters than 40 plus where only a handful are really that relevant to the story and it's mostly cookie cutter based on preference. But then again, some of those optional party members are really fun. Like, like, oh, yeah. um, uh, the 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 voodoo doll man you get at the beginning of the game. Yeah, Mojo. You, uh, yeah, Mojo. Mojo is the best. Mojo. Yeah, uh, I mean, I personally like the uh, the whole thing about like uh, just choosing certain characters. Like, I went with Kid. Uh, not Kid. Uh, the first time I played, I went with uh, abandoning Kid in the beginning, and then like uh, turning up uh, at a uh, Termina, and that was Kid in my party, but with Mojo and Pushel, and just the interaction. Kid walks up to you. It's like. <laughs> I love what she said. It's like, you, you don't even know who you are and you're walking a dog? <laughs> uh, this game has good writing. <laughs> it does. No, yeah, no, especially. It has a good localization, too. Like, there isn't really a whole lot of English going on here. Pushel was so, probably one of the most underappreciated characters I felt. Very strong. <laughs> I like, um,. I like what's his face the 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 doctor who um speaks very normally except he occasionally puts in random bits of surfer slang. Oh, Doc. Yeah, Doc. He's like, I do I do not know what we what we can do about this conundrum. I guess we'd better hang ten dudes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, actually, uh, I believe that they had like a script set up so that. Uh regardless of which character you had, uh, it would kind of like detect that and just adjust the speech patterns to match that character. Aside from say like Glenn or Nikki where they had extra. And uh, I, I feel like that was kind of an innovative solution for such a large cast. Yeah, that is really interesting. Yeah. It gave characters character, even when they weren't mm -hmm. saying anything too important. Yeah, for sure. Did we all do the Ice Dragon quest on our way to uh to Mount Fort Dragonia? Or did we were you like me the first time and you ran through the lava screaming? Oh gosh, no. Yeah, I did the, the ice quest, yeah. <laughs> I find it hard not to just out of completion. I like to explore. Yeah. Yes. Now did you bring did you bring Rasley with you on that quest? Because that's interesting. I um I, I had never done that before and I was surprised at how that she was a surprisingly solid party member. Oh, yeah, I brought her, too, just because, yeah, I remember that was where, yeah, she's from, so it was, yeah. It was she's rough. the little fairy girl? Yeah. yeah. And you I get, like, prior. sorry, I apologize. No, you're fine. It's just, it's just funny, because, like, um, I mean, yeah, funny, but, like, she gets, like, that is a really dark story turn. If you bring her with you, she basically witnesses the genocide of her people, and it's all your fault. <laughs> yep. Yes, that's true. <laughs> it's it's a direct lose lose. Yeah, no kidding. Like, there's the, the, this is the only way 
forward for you, but it ties into a larger theme of people acting recklessly and not considering the consequences of their decisions. Also kind of sucks that, I mean, you also tell them that the Hydra, like there are still like baby Hydras alive and the dwarves are like, well, oh, okay, I guess we're going to go back to our swamp. Bye guys. And it's like, yeah. no repercussions. Yeah, right. It's like, no, I want you guys. <laughs> I have a thought and this might be something that gets cut out and saved for later because it gets heavy into spoiler for late in the game. Yeah, go for it. But um, I'm, I'm wondering, was it another world where the Hydras were wiped out, I thought? Uh, it was yeah. in uh, another world. Okay, yeah. so if, if fate is telling these people to act a certain way, like, wouldn't it be fate's fault that that swamp is toxic and the ecosystem is ruined? Like, how is that better for people? I don't get that. Uh, that's see, that's the thing uh, because um, we haven't talked about the the records of fate, which is actually our save points that record the game. But in Artie's village, we get an explanation that people go to the records of fate to more or less uh, be told what to do. Uh, and that's a huge theme uh, throughout the game, and especially the end game. Uh, but I, I don't it. I guess that would be true if they did consult the records of fate, but let's just say that everyone did just for the sake of this conversation. I, I would say, yeah, it's uh, whatever the system behind uh, the records of fate that did tell them to do that, which is pretty messed up. Kind of a matter, I guess, of uh, I have a grand plan and whatever gets screwed along the way is a ca just a casualty of war, I guess. I mean, it's one of those, if you die in Chrono Cross, um, the game over screen is always, it, that's actually, it's, it's stuck with me. It's the where it tells you fate has no forgiveness for those that dare to stand against it. Which is a literal, it's a literal reference to the fate system, but also um, an interesting allusion to the, in the end, the future refused to change line from Chrono Trigger. Ooh, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the vibe I got from that. In a lot of ways, and for Cross, a game that gives you a lot of freedom as a player to express yourself, it's funny how the story ultimately becomes about predestination and control and anomalies in the system that are affecting that perfect plan. I hadn't thought of this until now, but that is a good mirror for Trigger because, I mean, when you really think about the first half of that game, it felt like you were making huge changes, jumping back and forth through time, but really, like, up until the halfway point, your party really does not change anything, and that, I feel, kind of mirrors what we have going on here. Even And even in, um, in Trigger, all roads lead to Lavos, like, one way or another. Like... And that's, that ends up being a major plot point later in Cross, which I don't want to touch on just yet because it's, it's like right after this halfway point we're on. But um, Cross does make the very point, point that, yeah, you saved the world, but at what cost? Yeah, my bad on getting so far ahead, but this game is so complex. It's like, You're fine. No, dude, this is, this is one of the things about Cross, why, why I think Cross is so underappreciated. It is thematically a very heavy game, especially coming after its predecessor. But it also sheds light on some of the heavier subject matter that Trigger did explore. Like, like for our, Trigger is a lighthearted JRPG romp, yes, but it also did have a lot of serious motifs that Cross is expanding upon. And uh, once you get to that ending point, though, uh, Fort Dragonia, we're back again. We're back at the beginning, and the game even shows you a little flashback of uh, 
of kid getting stabbed before you walk in just to remind you, hey, you think that you can change the future, huh? You think knowing what's going to happen is going to change anything? It's a nice bookend, I feel, to what I, I suppose should be the first half of the game. It always felt like the first half, but I feel like there's actually so much more after this point. Maybe it's even like the quarter point of the game. I would say that it's a third point, um, like from the beginning to for Dragonia, then uh, playing as uh, as as the uh, Lynx uh, until you turn back to a human, and then the human back uh, to the end of the game. Uh, yeah, kind of actually. I feel like the Lynx portion was so much meatier, but that may have more to do with the fact that the story just got so much more dense. Oh no, it was definitely yeah. meatier. It, it was it was good. It was the the meat and bones of this game. That is the big, probably the largest chunk of the game. It is, it is the whole second act, and uh, a lot of the the major dungeon crawling you're going to be doing is going to be as links. Which isn't that kind of a cool moment where like the villain everyone's been like terrified of, you're like, and everyone's been warning you about. You go for the final confrontation, and all of a sudden he pulls some magic mumbo jumbo, and now you're fighting your own party, and you're stuck in the Catman's body. That is an excellent bait and switch. <laughs> that is, it's a pretty yes. killer plot twist as far as uh, gaining plot twists before. And then, yeah, you play as the villain of the game for a good chunk of it um, while he goes around in your body causing mayhem. Very much what I'm looking forward to discussing next episode. Uh, just the fact that to a player, <laughs> it seems like you're the same person in a different skin, but to these virtual characters, these NPCs, you are the person they're afraid of. Yeah, exactly. You lose access to all your party members um, and you have to basically start again from scratch. Uh, but I mean, yeah, th I think we've touched on a whole lot of the, the stuff in the first half of Chrono Cross. Uh, do we have any closing thoughts before we wrap this one up? Uh, not that I can think of other than... Uh... I mean, you, you can get to this point in the game with three characters. You do not have to recruit anyone else. But I notice, like, in the next half, we are going to get so many required characters. I don't know how relevant that is, but I think that's an interesting aside just based on the fact that you lose access to the characters from the first a lot half. Of the, a lot of the NPCs you've been encountering are going to be... And basically, anyone with a character portrait, probably important. Just talk to them. Foreshadowing. Yeah. I mean, you can pretty much... Like recruit all of Corch's family. Corch's whole family, all of the Acacia Dragoons, General Viper and his people. <laughs> a strange turnip. <laughs> a fly. A talking mush a talking mushroom man named Fungi. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. A space alien. <laughs> space. A baby dragon. Don't we also get an android at one point? Uh, yes. Or, or use an assassin. Cyborg, yeah. yeah. Ah. You get not one, but two wrestlers. <laughs> but I think if we're talking about uh, the different party members coming in, we should probably save a lot of this for the next episode of Chrono Cross. Um, so as always, listeners, thank you all for listening to us uh, ramble on about video games at length. Uh, next week, we're going to have an episode about the Detective Pikachu movie. So uh, look forward to that. We're, uh, I'm excited as of this recording. I'm, I'm really hyped for this movie. We'll see if I have the same 
enthusiasm once this recording hits, but I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. Uh, there's also going to be a friendly competition episode later in May that Solosi's been pushing for. So look forward to that. Um, uh, just to give our social media real quick, uh, Marcos, where can we reach you? Uh, you can reach me on uh, uh, Twitter uh, at rhythmroo.com or if you want to email uh, me on the the music side of things, RPG Fan, you can email me at music at rpgfan.com. All right. Tyler, you want to plug your social media? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, the best place to probably get in contact with me is on Twitter. Um, my handle is at Cosmos Chaos, which is Cosmos with a K. And what about you, Kyle? Well, uh, in the event anyone wanted to send me anything, Kyle as it RPG fan, but I don't have any uh, social media or anything that is related. All right, and uh, for my for what it's worth, I'm at, I have Fury on Twitter. You can also reach me Peter T at RPGfan.com. And this is going to conclude our first episode of Chrono Cross. We'll see you next time, dear listeners. Good night and good luck. And remember, in the end, the future refused to change. <laughs>